Hi there, and welcome to the first MGMA Insights podcast. My name is Declan McGee, and I'm the Educational Production Manager at MGMA. A couple of my colleagues and I decided to launch this new series for the new year. Every two weeks, we'll be diving deep into a topic and speaking with healthcare thought leaders to bring you insights into the challenges and trends impacting our industry. We produced this first episode just before the new year to give you a taste of the new format and what's coming up. Look for shows covering practice financials and culture coming in January. We're extremely proud of this new series, and we really hope you enjoy it too. So, here's Insights, episode number one. From MGMA, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Imagine the day that we can knock the silos down, that we can be working together, understanding one another, rowing in the same direction. Imagine the revolution that we can bring to this country, again, to an industry that touches every single American. That's Mike Baselli, president of Catalyst HTI, talking about his new healthcare integration space located in Denver. We'll hear more about Catalyst later, as well as exciting updates from MGMA in 2019. MGMA's spring conference lineup begins March 3rd through 5th in Las Vegas with the Financial Conference. We'll take an in-depth look at topics such as revenue cycle management and payer contracting. April 14th through 16th is the Operations Conference in Austin, Texas. Sessions include topics covering patient access, staffing, and value-based operations. Finally, May 16th through 18th, we have a brand new conference in Orlando. The data conference is designed to help healthcare professionals interpret and analyze their practices' data to improve outcomes. To find out more about MGMA's events, visit mgma.com events. Are you confident you have the right mix of staff in your medical practice? Find out the latest research and data from authors Deborah Walker-Keegan and Elizabeth Woodcock in MGMA's new book, Staffing the Medical Practice. This new resource will give you the tools to evaluate and shape your team to meet the evolving needs of medical practices. Learn more about the book at mgma.com staffing. In our first segment today, MGMA Senior Editor Craig Weberg is talking with Senior Industry Advisors Andrew Haiti and Christy Good about evaluation tools for staff and providers. Let's jump right in and talk about the tools. I know that you have uh, deployed a few tools in the, in the previous months, and in January, you guys are gonna be talking and uh, you guys are gonna be releasing some evaluation tools for uh, staff and providers. Can you talk a little bit more about those and, and uh, you know, when they're coming out and what they're all about? Absolutely, um, and thanks for asking, Craig. Christy and I are, are very excited to have several new tools coming as part of an evaluation toolkit. Um, there'll actually be several different tools that we're releasing. The first one will be um, an employee performance evaluation form, which is also a self-evaluation form. The second one is a physician performance evaluation form and self-eval. And then we also have, an, uh, we're releasing a 360 evaluation form and a physician peer review evaluation form. This is in addition to the other samples and best practice recommendations that MGMA has been providing for many years. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, staff evaluation tool. 
you know, how, how are members, um, how should they be using it? So one thing that the format is coming in, Craig, it's actually going to be an Excel spreadsheet format. Um, so there'll be lots of automatic calculations or other things that are um, built into it, um, which you can only get in Excel versus a PDF or Word type document. And it is a great tool for performing both the employee self-eval and the final manager eval. So it will be editable um, and then can be kept on file and changed as needed. Most managers would utilize this tool for their annual employee and supervisor evaluations. There are clear instructions on the document for the order in which the form should be completed. As you establish a rating from one to five for each competency category, the form is set up to automatically calculate the average for each category and then a grand total at the end of the document. There's also sections in the document where you can add individualized job duties and annual goals that are specific to the employee for that performance review period. These will also average into the grand total review score for the employee once a rating has been entered on the form. So the final score for the employee is calculated based on the combined performance on their competencies, job specific duties, and their annual goals. There's also plenty of room on there for future goals and other comments to be added for each section. That sounds great. That, that format where you can customize, I think will be really helpful because I know that all the you know, different practices have specific uh, tasks, tasks and goals for each of their employees. So that, that really sounds like it's gonna be useful. So exactly. my, next my next question, um, what are the best practices for using this type of tool? Absolutely, those are some great questions. Uh, performance evaluations for employees, supervisors, and clinicians are definitely critical to the future success for all medical facilities. This tool would typically be used once a year for an annual performance review. However, it could certainly be used more frequently than that if it made sense for a particular business or company, or you could also use it throughout the year to track goals for ongoing progress. In terms of some of those best practices you asked about um, for this tool, there are a couple of strategies that need to absolutely happen for performance evaluation to work as it's intended. The first is you must give accurate and honest feedback for all individuals being reviewed. It won't do anyone any good if you give everyone a middle of the road rating and there's no constructive feedback. Honest feedback is necessary for continued success and growth. Another mandatory requirement, Craig, is that you need to meet with employees on a regular interval throughout the year. In, this, in most cases, that means at least once a month, but sometimes you can do it quarterly and do an in-depth review of the progress towards their established goals to make sure that they have been complemented for that outstanding performance or that you address any issues um, with their performance um, early enough in the process. It's also important as a best practice to utilize as many quantifiable or measurable goals for the employee. Subjective statements or goals make it hard for the manager to evaluate the employees in a consistent manner. So you both have pretty extensive uh, uh, experience leading practices. Did you use tools like this when you were uh, evaluating your staff? And if so, did it actually work to help improve staff performance? Yeah, Craig, we, I actually did absolutely use tools like this in the past. Um, there are many different formats that you can use for employee annual reviews. Um, I think some of them contain different elements than others, but they all have the same goal in mind to really establish that uh, feedback for what's going well and what's not going well. Without that, you're not gonna make any progress with someone. 
what I have seen a lot of, because um, I've supervised a lot of managers over my years as well, is that uh, some managers are just rushing through. It's, they're just getting this performance review done, and they're not putting a lot of thought into it, and they're just trying to make it easy. So they give everyone, you know, a three out of five on everything. So they're meeting their goals, but, you know, nobody has any real constructive feedback for how they need it to grow. When you do that, nothing's going to change. Everything's going to stay the same. Um, so I think it's extremely important that if you actually want to make progress with, you know, clinicians, with employees, with supervisors, with anyone, that you actually give, you know, kudos for what they're doing well, but you give constructive feedback on all of the items that they need to work on and really set a clear path for them how to achieve that. And you don't want to do it at the end of the year when you haven't addressed anything throughout the year. You really need to check in regularly. Yeah, I always go back to leadership and managing. It has to do with consistent and clear feedback. And I think that these tools really will help um, our members get to that point. So I think that the tool sets that you guys are putting out have been super helpful. And there's been some really good ones that have come out. And I think that these uh, evaluation tools are going to be super helpful as well. So I want to thank you both for your time today. These tools are available to all members of MGMA, so please look into membership about these great benefits and others, and look for them to be available in January. Thanks again, Andrew and Christy, and have a great day. Thanks so much. Thank you. Our second guest today is Chris Harrop. Chris is the Senior Editorial Manager at MGMA and is in charge of the association's flagship publication, MGMA Connection. Uh, Chris, as Senior Editorial Manager at MGMA, you're responsible for the association's flagship publication, MGMA Connection. First, for our listeners who may not know, please share a little bit of the evolution of the publication and its mission over its long history. So I'm, a, I'm an old history major, so I love dates and, and names. So let's start with a little bit of ancient history, at least when it pertains to medical group management. Turn of the 20th century, you're starting to see medical clinics popping up across the country. And by the 1920s, the managers of those clinics, they realize, you know, we need to get together and talk about how we actually do this as a, for our little chunk of the industry. So you get to November 1926 and you have the first conference of clinic managers in Madison, Wisconsin. There are representatives from 14 different groups there to discuss all the different issues. One of those clinic managers, of course, is Harry J. Harwick, who joined the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, 1908. He was a bookkeeper. Two years later, he becomes their business manager. And of course, his history with MGMA and its predecessor associations, we now name our annual award for innovation after Mr. Harwick. So in any case, the proceedings of those early conferences vary. Some of them are summary statements. Some of them are really short reports. But that's how the history of the organization gets documented. Along the way, the, the gathering every year, it ultimately becomes a formal organization, the National Association of Clinic Managers. And that is the predecessor association to Medical Group Management Association as we know MGMA today. So let's fast forward. We're past the ancient history to not so ancient history, 1947. The clinic managers are coming together that year for their uh, annual conference, and they're starting to look into having an official publication for the members. As decisions often go, it's not until 1950 that they actually agree, we're going to assemble all of those proceedings and reports from all of our annual conferences from 1926 onward into a single publication. That's 1950. So that effort then leads to a regular member publication called The Bulletin. As we move through the 20th century, getting closer to the present day, 
we eventually have the bulletin progress into MGMA Connection Magazine, which most members have received eight times a year uh, in recent years. And here we are. Well, that's awesome. So starting in January, MGMA members who get the MGMA Connection are going to see yet another evolution. What's going on? Tell us about the big news that's happening. So I mentioned that in the past we would publish about eight times a year. Uh, there's nothing super important about that number other than some of the months we weren't publishing, we were doing things like the Executive View publication. But we realized that doing eight issues a year and theming each one in a specific way might leave some people you know, wondering what's going on with a certain topic in a given month. Let's say you're in revenue cycle and contracting exclusively. If you only get one issue a year de dedicated to financial management, you're kind of going, hey, you know, I don't really, I don't necessarily need to know about disaster planning or HR issues. You know, I really want to get into revenue cycle every single month. That's my bread and butter. So what we're doing starting in 2019 is the magazine is going to a quarterly format uh, with the first issue in January. What we're doing is instead of doing about anywhere from 50 to 80 pages per issue, we're either doubling or tripling the size of each issue at four times a year and really expanding the breadth of the topics that we cover. Uh, you know, as an association, we have all sorts of different types of members, whether they are practice, practice executives, MHA students, everyone in between, and we wanted to have a little something for everyone in each issue, which will be reflected in the new magazine. Uh, when you open up the magazine, whether it is actually physically in your hands or the version that you see online, and I'll get a little bit to more of that later, you're going to see organization into eight topical areas that are reflected on MGMA.com. We're talking business strategy, dedicated section for financial management, quality and patient experience. There are eight different sections in each issue that will have features and other articles that really dig into each topic so that there is something for everyone each time out. Okay. Now, we were talking a little bit about the print version. You, you also tease the digital flipbook version. What in the world is that and what can readers expect from that? So most members are, are used to seeing some of the articles that we put into the print edition on MGMA.com as just an article like anything else in the resources section. What members will be able to access starting January 2019 is a flipbook version. It is essentially an approximation of the print issue delivered digitally. So whether you are on a browser, on a PC or Mac, or if you're on your Android device or iOS device, tablet, smartphone, what have you, you will get that same print issue experience on your mobile device, your tablet, what have you. And it is really cool because it actually allows us to deliver more content than you would actually get in the print issue. Uh, the flipbook technology will allow us to do things like embedding extra photos that couldn't fit in print or embedding videos in certain areas if it's appropriate. You'll be able to directly click hyperlinks to sources that we've cited in our footnotes so you can get an even deeper dive if you want to go that route. So it's a really cool way to have that same print issue experience with just picking up your phone or tablet. Okay. Now, what kind of stories can we expect in this premier issue. Do you have any innovation stories or anything else to kind of tie in with your new transformation and redesign as well? I did bring up the Mayo Clinic earlier talking about Harry Harwick and you know the Mayo Clinic has always 
been an interesting part of MGMA history, and we actually have a few people, a few authors from the Mayo Clinic that are writing about how they uh, updated their revenue cycle system through an EHR rollout, and one of the things that they noticed is that they needed to keep going with timely and accurate charge capture in their, in their system while rolling out their new EHR. We have a whole new section devoted specifically to health information technology. And there's a nice feature article from the Mayo Clinic about how they handled that by setting up what they call charge champions to smooth out the process of rolling out that new EHR as it relates to their revenue cycle. So that's one thing that is really cool that sort of ties back to even the origins of MGMA, but it's still on sort of the cutting edge of people embracing new technologies in their practice and making it work. Uh, in that same health IT section, we've got a nice feature on the Catalyst HTI building here in Denver, which has become sort of an incubator and integrator of different people within the healthcare and healthcare tech sector. Uh, MGMA has an office there as well and allows for a lot of interesting collaborations uh, between established organizations like MGMA, provider organizations, and then just uh, startups. Uh, entrepreneurs that are really innovating things, whether it's building out apps or integrations with EHRs. So you get a little sense of what MGMA is doing there and the connections that are being forged from that. Absolutely. Now, collaboration is a key word in MGMA, and you've mentioned to me on numerous occasions the importance of having MGMA members and other healthcare leaders contribute to MGMA Connection. What's the best practice? How can they get involved with MGMA Connection? How can they be a source? First off, definitely come to MGMA.com after January 1st and check out the new flipbook. We want to hear back what you think about it, how it works for you, and then send us feedback. We are always taking feedback at connection at MGMA.com. But the best way to actually get involved, suggest a topic for us to cover, or even you know, submit an article that you might write, go to mgma.com slash connection for the main magazine or mgma.com slash author guidelines to find more about the editorial calendar, when our deadlines are, what we're looking for in terms of content. Everything's right there for you. Fantastic. Chris, thanks for being here today and looking forward to seeing the new magazine. Hey, as a content person, I'm always on the other side of the interview, so it's a nice change of pace. Thank you. Thanks so much. As Chris mentioned, there's a new healthcare innovation space that just opened in the Rhino District in Denver. The idea of Catalyst is to bring together private enterprise, government, academic, and nonprofit organizations with healthcare providers and payers to accelerate innovation in healthcare. To get an idea of what life is like at Catalyst, we spoke with one of the tenants, Patrick Leonard, CEO and co founder of Sopris Health. Patrick, earlier this year, you moved your company to Catalyst HTI. What, what was the thinking behind that? Well, you know, um, for a long time, really loved the idea of putting a healthcare innovation community under one roof. You know, myself and my team, we've, we've done uh, a lot of healthcare innovation, healthcare technology over, over a number of years. And, uh, you know, from that experience, we know that it's not easy and, and it really does take a lot of people all, all pulling in the same direction. And, and usually you don't have the benefit of, of you know, geography. People are spread out. And, and so you know, anything that you can do to re remove friction or reduce friction from, uh, from the process, you know, I, think is, I think is just really, really helpful. And so uh, being able to have uh, technology folks and startups 
um, providers, payers, have those people all in one place where it's easy to get together. And sometimes you just bump into each other in the hallway. That was, that was just really exciting to us. And I got to say, having, having been in since, gosh, just since June, you know, we already feel it. You know, we already, we already notice, um, you know, we have those kind of surprise interactions and, and connections wouldn't have otherwise made. Right. Now you mentioned you've been in there since around June or so. How has your business model or just your business on a daily basis changed? Yeah, I think it's, but our business model hasn't changed, but the, um, I think just, just the, just the connections, um, you know, which, which are, you know, which are so important. And I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a mix. Um, um, I mean, we, we've definitely made connections with, with other tenants, probably what's been just in the short term. Uh, if I'm just thinking to some specific interactions, it's probably been more people who are coming into the space to meet with another tenant. Um, and then we make an introduction or, um, you know, or coming in for an event or, or, or whatever. So, yeah, I think, it, I think it's already just starting to feel like, um, you know, kind of a nexus where, where people just tend to tend to join together. And our team is not all in uh, Colorado. So, um, you know, we, we use the space as our, our regular office, but then also when we have our extended team in, you know, it's great to be able to get a conference room and, you know, make space for, for people who aren't in that office every day. You know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's really a beautiful space. They did such a nice job on it. As far as being at Catalyst, it, it offers you an opportunity to collaborate with people and, and just kind of brainstorm. So what would you say to other potential tenants who might be thinking about that? Well, you know, I think there's, I think there's a couple things. Um, you know, one, just in terms of, uh, in terms of location in the Denver Boulder area, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's a great central location to be able to draw talent from, um, you know, Boulder in the Northwest to, you know, the tech center to the West side, uh, central Denver. I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's a, it's a nice location to be able to access talent in a local area. Um, I think I've also had conversations with people who've come to visit from out of state who've said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to be coming back or I want my company to have, you know, a presence here. I think that there's definitely, um, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's funny, I, it feels a little funny for me to say this, having been in Denver for so long, but I have people now saying this to me on a pretty regular basis, that there's, there's really a buzz that's been built about Denver, you know, nationwide. Um, that it's, you know, really recognized as, as, uh, as, as one of the really strong, um, technology innovation centers generally and, and, and for healthcare specifically, but not just for healthcare. And so, um, I think, I think a lot of people are, you know, looking at this area and saying that, you know, this is a place that, that they want to have a presence outside of wherever their, their main location is. And, um, and so, you know, when they come and visit Catalyst, um, they kind of say, oh, this could be, you know, this could be kind of our Denver home base. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Well, that's our first episode and we hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to our guests today, Andrew Haiti, Christy Good, Chris Harrop, and Patrick Leonard. If you like the show, please rate and review it on wherever you get your podcast. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. If you have any questions, concerns, or ideas, please shoot us an email at podcast at mgma.com. 
MGMA Insights is presented by Craig Weberg, Declan McGee, and I'm Daniel Williams. Thanks for listening.